Hey everybody, Sean Rosenstiel here. Welcome back to the video series on Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. In today's video, we're talking about chapter 11, The Mystery of Sex Transmutation. A little bit of housekeeping here before we begin. Uh, we are going off of the Tribeca Books version of Think and Grow Rich. There's a link to go ahead and grab that on Amazon below. Also, I have developed an 88-page success guide, which has all the key points within all the chapters of the book, as well as the mind map that you can print out, and also some thought-provoking questions at the end of each chapter. And one of the neatest things in that success guide is I have taken verbatim some of the powerful exercises from this book and put them in the success guide so you can actually print it out and do some journaling on your own. The object of this video series is to help you integrate these 13 principles into your own life. So rather than just reading this book and uh, thinking that these concepts are awesome, I really want to help you actually apply these in your own life like I did so many years ago and like I continue to do to this day. So let's get moving here. Chapter 11, Mystery of Sex Transmutation. First key point that I believe is in this chapter is this idea of transmutation, right? What does that actually mean? I'm on page 160 here. Napoleon says, the meaning of the word transmute is in simple language, the changing or transferring of one element or form of energy into another. He goes on to say that sex transmutation is simple and easily explained. It means the switching of the mind from thoughts of physical expression to thoughts of some other nature. And then finally, the transmutation of sex energy calls for the exercise of willpower to be sure, but the reward is worth the effort. The desire for sexual expression is inborn and natural. The desire cannot and should not be submerged or eliminated, but it should be given an outlet through forms of expression which enrich the body, mind, and spirit of man. If not given this form of outlet through transmutation, it will seek outlets through purely physical channels. So I think what he's trying to suggest here is that when we have a desire for sex, which is natural for us as human beings, we have to catch it. And rather than just seeking that purely physical outlet or that physical form of expression, where else can we redirect that? And a lot of what this chapter talks about, which we'll get into in future key points within this video, is that we can redirect it into more creative outlets of expression, right? So that's a very powerful idea, obviously, of this entire chapter is this idea of transmutation. Second key point here is sex desire. I'm on page 160 again. He says that sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is the desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge it. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc., which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. So this desire for sex, this emotion, so to speak, of sex is so powerful. Like we said in the last point, we can redirect it into any other form of expression as well as the accumulation 
of riches. So it's a pretty powerful idea there. Third key concept, action superpower. This is neat. I'm on page 161. Napoleon says that when driven by this emotion, meaning sex emotion, men become gifted with a superpower for action. Understand this truth and you will catch the significance of the statement that sex transmutation will lift one to the status of a genius. Um, I'm a fan of uh, Esther Hicks and I heard her, uh, I think it was on YouTube actually, I saw uh, one of her um, lectures, so to speak, and she talked about, she was talking about addiction. Someone in the audience talked about addiction and she was saying how addicts just simply want to feel good. Like we should give them some credit. Like they really want to just simply feel good, don't they? And in fact, they want to feel good so much that they go to great lengths to get their fix. They'll even break the law, do things they may not otherwise be proud of. Like they'll do anything it takes to get whatever it is that they desire, which unfortunately is, is a bit of a negative vehicle, right? If it's a negative addiction. But this emotion, this desire for sex can also act as that superpower for action. You know, just like an addict who might be addicted to drugs or alcohol, they may do anything in their power to take action to get whatever it is they desire. Well, this emotion of sex can actually drive you to take action as well. The question is, of course, like we mentioned in the previous points, are those actions out of purely physical expression or can we redirect those actions to more creative expression or to the accumulation of riches, right? So something to have at least some awareness for, I think at this stage, as we read through this chapter. Fourth key point here, mind stimuli. I'm on page 162 now. Napoleon says the human mind responds to stimuli through which it may be keyed up to high rates of vibration known as enthusiasm, creative imagination, intense desire, etc. The stimuli to which the mind responds most freely are, number one, the desire for sex expression. Number two, love. Number three, a burning desire for fame, power, or financial gain, money. Number four, music. Number five, friendship between either those of the same sex or those of the opposite sex. Number six, a mastermind alliance based upon the harmony of two or more people who ally themselves for spiritual or temporal advancement. Number seven, mutual suffering, such as that experienced by people who are persecuted. Number eight, auto-suggestion. Number nine, fear. And number 10, narcotics and alcohol. The desire for sex expression comes at the head of the list of stimuli which most effectively steps up the vibrations of the mind and starts the wheels of physical action. Eight of these stimuli are natu natural and constructive. Two are actually destructive. So I don't know if you've experienced this, but like, for example, I just got done writing my first book. Uh, my manuscript actually just got locked in. It's completed and I'm excited that it'll be publishing hopefully sometime in late May or mid-June. I have been writing for about 70 days straight, um, anywhere from about three to six hours a day. And I can tell you with great confidence that while I was writing, when I had some classical music going on in the background, I used Spotify. When I had classical music on, 
my writing was better. My mind was stimulated to, uh, uh, it was leveled up and stimulated to a different plane and I was able to um, articulate certain thoughts much more clear than I otherwise would if I was listening to, you know, let's say heavy metal or rap music, you know, or music with lyrics or no music at all. So think back in your life when you hear about these 10 mind stimuli, I bet you you can relate to a few of those, you know, think of the, maybe there was a time in your life when you were in love. You know, I think we all experience times where, you know, we're so deeply in love or like there was this moment in time with another person that we'll forever cherish. And oftentimes those experiences stimulate our minds and they key up, as Napoleon suggests, the vibrations of our mind to an entirely new level. So what he's suggesting here is that the desire for sex expression is at the top of the list of mind stimuli. And of course, there are many others, right? These are only 10 that he names. There's plenty of others. Um, I noticed that running wasn't on here. <laughs> you know, I think running does it for me too. Exercise, right? So that's not on here, but you get the idea. Very important point here. Next, creative imagination. I'm on page 163 now. He says, genius is developed through the sixth sense. Now he'll talk about the sixth sense in a future chapter. This sixth sense is creative imagination. The faculty of creative imagination is the direct link between the finite mind of man and infinite intelligence. All so-called revelations referred to in the realm of religion and all discoveries of basic or new principles in the field of invention take place through the faculty of creative imagination. So important, you know, so, so many themes throughout this book talk about this idea of tapping into creative imagination. And what he's saying here is that genius is developed through the sixth sense, which is creative imagination. So I don't wanna to go too far into that now, there's an entire chapter that covers the sixth sense. I believe it's chapter 13, the last chapter, if I'm not mistaken. So, or the last of the 13 principles, I should say, right? Um, so we'll get into that in further detail at a later time. Next key point here, genius. I'm on page 166 now. He says that the scientific inventor, I love this one, by the way, really listen close to this and ask yourself when the last time is that, that, that you did something like this because I've noticed, I, I began putting these principles into play about three years ago in my own life, like really studying them and really applying them deeply. And this is really the third year, probably the almost the fourth year now that I've been doing this. And this is such a neat idea. And I've found so many answers to some of my biggest challenges that I couldn't solve on my own that I couldn't solve based on my own experience, that my logical mind just couldn't you know, wrap its arms around. This is such a neat concept here. So listen up. The scientific inventor or genius begins an invention by organizing and combining the known ideas or principles accumulated through experience, through the synthetic faculty, the reasoning faculty. If he finds this accumulated knowledge to be insufficient for the completion of his invention. He then draws upon the sources of knowledge available to him through his creative, creative faculty. The method by which he does this varies with the individual, but this is the sum and substance of his procedure. Number one, he stimulates his mind, 
so that it vibrates on a higher than average plane using one or more of the 10 mind stimulants or some other stimulant of his choice. Number two, he concentrates upon the known factors, the finished part of his invention, and creates in his mind a perfect picture of unknown factors, the unfinished part of his invention. He holds this picture in mind until it has been taken over by the subconscious mind, then relaxes by clearing his mind of all thought and waits for his answer to flash into his mind. What an incredible two-step process here, right? It's so simple, it's so profound. Yet my question to you is how often are you doing this in your own life? And you don't have to be Thomas Edison, you know, 99% of the time I'm doing this, I'm not necessarily working on some invention in the laboratory. I'm simply trying to solve a problem in my own life, right? We're talking about small potatoes. So it doesn't have to be an invention. It can be something you're struggling with, a problem, a challenge, somewhere in your, you know, some area of your life, maybe with your health, your wealth, relationships, where you're seeking a solution or you're stuck, right? So this is such a neat, neat concept, this what I would call that two-step process of a genius. And I'd highly encourage you to take five, 10 minutes only and try this in your own life if you seem to be stuck in certain areas. Very, very effective, very powerful. Next key point here, a woman's influence. I'm on page 167 now. Napoleon says, the pages of history are filled with the records of great leaders whose achievements may be traced directly to the influence of women who arouse the creative faculties of their minds through the stimulation of sex desire. I'm gonna skip all the way over to 178 now. And he says that man's greatest motivating force is his desire to please woman. And then I'm on 178 to 179. He says that no man is happy or complete without the modifying influence of the right woman. The man who does not recognize this important truth deprives himself of the power which has done more to help men achieve success than all other forces combined. Now, this was written nearly, what, 100 years ago? So the way I look at this is I translate this into a partner or, or, or love, right? Um, it doesn't need to be man influenced by woman. It can be woman influenced by man or any other way you want it, right? I mean, I'm pretty open to the possibilities here. But I look at this as influenced by love, especially when that influence of love has the emotion of sex involved. So I think what he's referring to is not necessarily, you know, a love for a parent or a love for a child or a love for an animal or a pet. This is more to do with a love of a significant other in your life where there's that emotion of sex involved. And we're going to talk more about love. It's one of the last points that I'll cover here in this video. But that is what I believe Napoleon is really getting at here. And again, this was written 100 years ago, so it's not quite up to date yet with the times, right? Next key point, animals. I'm on page 168. He says that far from becoming genii, is it genii? 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 I think it's genii. I don't know. Correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but I understand what he's saying, right? Far from becoming genii, because of great sex desires, 
the majority of men lower themselves through misunderstanding and misuse of this great force to the status of the lower animals, right? So food for thought, something to think about here. I always am fascinated that so many of us human beings are running around, we're addicted to certain substances, we're you know, dependent on certain things and people, and we're unsure of our purpose in life, and we're offended by everything that comes into our environment, and we're complaining, <laughs> we have all these negative thoughts, and we have doubt, and we have fear, and we have worry. Meantime, like you look at the window, look out the window and there's like a squirrel. There's some animal out there just living their dharma, right? Living their purpose. Like these squirrels don't question where they're going to get their next acorn for the winter. you know. So it's always amazing to me how so many of us, if we're not careful and if we're not conscious enough of our own behaviors, we can lower ourselves to the status of the lower animals, right? So interesting thought there. Next point, age 40. This is good news for me. I like this key point here. I'm on page 169. Napoleon says, I discovered from the analysis of over 25,000 people that men who succeed in an outstanding way seldom do so before the age of 40. And more often they do not strike their real pace until they are well beyond the age of 50. The major reason why the majority of men who succeed do not begin to do so before the age of 40 to 50 is their tendency to dissipate their energies through overindulgence in physical expression of the emotion of sex. The majority of men never learn that the urge of sex has other possibilities, which far transcend in importance that of mere physical expression. The majority of those who make this discovery do so after having wasted many years at a period when the sex energy is at its height prior to the age of 45 to 50. This usually is followed by noteworthy achievement. I'm gonna move on here to page 173. Towards the bottom here, he says that the years between 40 and 50 are, as a rule, the most fruitful. Man should approach this age not with fear and trembling, but with hope and eager anticipation. The period from 40 to 60 is the most productive age of man. Between the ages of 30 and 40, man begins to learn, if he ever learns, the art of sex transmutation. This discovery is generally accidental and more often than otherwise, the man who makes it is totally unconscious of his discovery. He may observe that his powers of achievement have increased around the age of 35 to 40, but in most cases, he is not familiar with the cause of this change. That nature begins to harmonize with the emotions of love and sex in the individual between the ages of 30 and 40 so that he may draw upon these great forces and apply them jointly as stimuli to action. And this, to me, you know, all, all makes so much sense because I mean, I think back to puberty, right? I don't even want to talk about that. I think back to my teenage years and my early 20s. You know, this makes a lot of sense. I wish I had known then, you know, what I know now about transmutation of, you know, any desire, of any thought, frankly, right? Of this idea of alchemy. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's really about, right? It's this idea of alchemy, alchemy transmuting one thing, or energy or substance into another. So pretty neat idea here. All right, next up, 
We've got artificial mind stimulants. I'm on page 169 now. He says, history is not lacking in examples of men who attained to the status of Jedi as the result of the use of artificial mind stimulants in the form of alcohol and narcotics. Let it be remembered that many such men have destroyed themselves in the end. Nature has prepared her own potions with which men may safely stimulate their minds so they vibrate on a plane that enables them to tune in to fine and rare thoughts which come from no man knows where. No satisfactory substitute for nature's stimulants has ever been found. So pretty neat idea there. If you go back to that list of the 10 mind stimulants that Napoleon gives us, the last two were destructive in nature, if you remember. Fear was one of them. And then what was it? Uh, was it alcohol? Yeah, narcotics and alcohol. So the question is, whichever way you're using, if you are using a method to stimulate your mind and, and vibrate it at a more rapid frequency or energy, you know, ask yourself, is the stimuli I'm using, is it sustainable over the long term? You know, for 15 years of my life, I used tobacco. I was severely addicted and I felt like I needed it. Anytime I was in any creative endeavor, in a meeting, working on my computer remotely, whatever it was, I always felt like I needed it. But that form of stimuli for me, nicotine, that drug, wasn't sustainable over the long term. There would have been consequences had I not quit so many years ago. So something to think about there. Next key point, personal magnetism. I'm on page 170. Napoleon says, highly sexed men are the most efficient salesmen. The explanation is that the factor of personality known as personal magnetism is nothing more nor less than sex energy. Highly sexed people always have a plentiful supply of magnetism. Through cultivation and understanding, this vital force may be drawn upon and used to great advantage in the relationships between people. And I'm moving on to 171 here. He says that people who lack sex energy will never become enthusiastic nor inspire others with enthusiasm. And enthusiasm is one of the most important requisites in salesmanship, no matter what one is selling. So I love this idea of personal magnetism. I mean, we've all met those people who are so enthusiastic. Like I know people who are enthusiastic about this game Mahjong. I have absolutely no interest in Mahjong. I've seen it played. It kind of bores me. I'm just not into it. <laughs> I probably would be if I you know, opened up a bit, right? But I have no interest in it. But the people who are interested in it, they're fanatical about it. Like you can listen to them and they feel like they're talking about saving the world they're talking about this little game called Mahjong. So we all know people who are really enthusiastic about certain things and we're drawn to that, aren't we? We're attracted to that. Um, I'll give you another example. I think back in 2015, 2016 maybe, I was introduced to Brendan Burchard. And Brendan Burchard is you know, high performance coach. Um, I've been to several of his events. I've been through several of his online courses. Um, I love Brendan. He's been a you know big mentor in my life. Well, back in maybe 2017, after I got into him for a little while and I started following some of his teachings, uh, my dad asked me about him. So I sent my dad a few of his videos on YouTube. 
and my dad watched them. And the next time I got with my dad, we were having lunch or something. And I said, hey, you know, did you check out some of Brendan's stuff? He's like, yeah, I mean, that guy, man, his energy is through the roof. He's unbelievable. Could you imagine imagine having sex with that guy? (laughs) No, dad, I've never had that thought before. (laughs) It was pretty funny, but that's what he's talking about here. Sorry, dad, hate to call you out. But that's what he's talking about here. This idea of personal magnetism. So think about if you're trying to sell something, a product, a service, if you're trying to influence people in some way, shape, or form, how enthusiastic are you when you come to the table and you talk about whatever that is? You know, I I find people, salespeople, who are just fantastic at what they do and they're selling like internet service, but they're so passionate about it. They're so enthusiastic about it. You can't help but be attracted to them and want to give them the business. Um, So really important key point here about personal magnetism. Intemperance, next key point, 172. Napoleon says, intemperance in sex habits is just as detrimental as intemperance in habits of drinking and eating. No man can avail himself of the forces of his creative imagination while dissipating them. Man is the only creature on earth which violates nature's purpose in this connection. Every other animal indulges its sex nature in moderation and with purpose which harmonizes with the laws of nature. Every other animal responds to the call of sex only in season. Man's inclination is to to declare open season. Every intelligent person knows that stimulation in excess through alcoholic drink and narcotics is a form of intemperance which destroys the vital organs of the body, including the brain. Not every person knows, however, that overindulgence in sex expression may become a habit as destructive and as detrimental to creative, creative effort as narcotics or liquor. So real powerful point there. Um, you know, think about if you're looking to do something creative, maybe it's painting, um, writing, uh, maybe it's music you know, any form of a creative endeavor. I look at this right now as I'm, you know, speaking with you here today. This for me is a creative outlet for me. It has to do with learning and growth and education and teaching, but this nonetheless is a very creative outlet for me. I love doing this stuff. I hope you can tell. But think about any creative endeavor in your life. Is intemperance in some way, shape, or form getting in the way of your ability to create at your highest levels? And of course, if that's the case for you, it's good awareness. And what are some things you could do to move in the right direction, to overcome that intemperance and create at the level uh, that you're truly able to create it, right? Next key point here, love. And we're going to finish on this point. I absolutely love, there's a whole section about this um, at the back of this chapter. And we're just going to talk about a few quick things here. I'm on page 174. Napoleon says, When driven by his desire to please a woman, based solely upon the emotion of sex, a man may be and usually is capable of great achievement, but his actions may be disorganized, distorted, and totally destructive. When driven by his desire to please a woman, based upon the motive of sex alone, a man may steal, cheat, and even commit murder. But when the emotion of love 
is mixed with the emotion of sex, that same man will guide his actions with more sanity, balance, and reason. Love, romance, and sex are all emotions capable of driving men to heights of super achievement. And now I'm going to go on here to page 176. The emotion of love brings out and develops the artistic and the aesthetic nature of man. It leaves its impress upon one's very soul, even after the fire has been subdued by time and circumstance. And we'll close on page 177. Love is, without question, life's greatest experience. It brings one into communication with infinite intelligence. When mixed with the emotions of romance and sex, it may lead one far up the ladder of creative effort. The emotions of love, sex, and romance are sides of the eternal triangle of achievement, building genius. Nature creates geni through no other force. When the emotion of romance is added to those of love and sex, the obstructions between the finite mind of man and infinite intelligence are removed. Wow. Awesome. There's some really powerful and poetic language here in the back of this chapter. So I'm going to remind you again, the whole purpose of this video series is that you read one chapter at a time, come on to this channel here, see what I believe the key points of the chapter were, think about your own key points because that's what really matters. Get the success guide, review the key points, and ultimately answer the thought-provoking questions. There are journaling exercises in that success guide. It's available for download below. Well, this is, I think, one of the longer chapters. It might even be the longest chapter. I think organized planning was pretty long too, but this is one of the longer chapters in the book. I actually think the uh, Outwitting the Six Ghosts of Fear at the end, I think it's chapter 15 is actually the longest, but regardless, this is a long chapter. I despised this chapter. When I first read this book, I think I was in high school. I understood maybe 1% of it, but I thought it was cool. Neat book. It was very popular. I wanted to get into it. I read it again maybe twice in college. Didn't really understand a lot. Certainly didn't apply anything. A couple years ago, I started really applying this. And this has actually become one of my favorite chapters. There's some really neat language in here. Some very powerful ideas. Um, and I used to, you know, struggle with, um, I used to struggle, I would abuse alcohol. And as I mentioned, I was severely addicted to tobacco for 15 years. So there's a lot of things in here, concepts, ideas, language that really resonates with me deeply. So I hope as you read through this chapter and I hope as you listen to this video here and hear what I believe some of the key points are to this chapter of the uh, mystery of sex transmutation, I hope your takeaways will be just as great as mine. So if you like this video, please feel free to share with your friends. Give it a like if you could. Be sure to subscribe so you can get the next few videos in the video series. In the meantime, I look forward to seeing you and serving you in the next video. Take care.